You know, I, I had my sermon all picked out. You know how you prepare you guys that have preached and uh, done everything, you get, you get everything ready? Yeah, thank you for coming over. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, y'all can come over too. Yes, uh, that'd be good. I don't have to look so far over. What are you laughing about? You come over here too. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, we have... <laughs> I can see you now. Yeah. I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. I know I am. So, um, but you know how you get prepared, and you're prepared, and, and you're, you, you've spent, and I spent time, and I, up to 1 o'clock last night, and this morning I get up, and I have everything. I think, thank you, God. I, man, this is, this is awesome. I know where I'm going with this. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, no, you're not. That's exactly what he spoke to me. He said, no, you're not. You're going to let the people preach. And I go, God, hey, we got too many people in here to preach. But he spoke to me and told me what I needed to do tonight. We're going to encourage each other in the Lord. We're going to have some testimonies tonight that's going to build your faith, going to build my faith, and it's going to build your faith, the ones that's even speaking. I mean, those... I, and I, I call some people today. I know they got a little nervous when I called them. Oh, I can't do that. But you can. You can. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Because once you step out, it gets easier to step out again and again and again and again and again. And you just keep doing what God says. And all of a sudden, you're going to be bold in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You won't have any holdbacks. I, I, and tonight... Uh, I was, I was reading about, how many, how many know how important your testimony is? Nobody. How many, how many, uh, th- two, three, four, okay. The rest of you guys will have to pray for you. Your testimony is so powerful. I know that the lame man, I was thinking about the lame man that was in, it was John 1, he was, Talked about, you know, the lame man when he came by the pool of Bethesda and he, and the Lord said, hey, you want to be healed? And he goes, well, I, he didn't say yes. You know what he said? He said, well, nobody can put me in the pool. Every time somebody comes, uh, uh, the water stirred uh, every year, he said, you know, nobody can put me in the pool. And he didn't answer Jesus. And Jesus wanted to know, do you want to be healed? He goes, yeah. He says, well, take up your bed and walk. Now, that guy went out, and he started telling people, Jesus healed me. Oh, there was a commotion going on. because here, here was a guy that had been laying by the pool of Bethesda 38 years. Could you, could you go by a pool for 38 years? Let me tell you, I, th- I think I would just get on the edge of the pool with one leg sticking in. I read just to fall in. Because it's how bad you want to be healed. It's how bad you want to be touched. We got to go for the Lord. We can't hold back. We're living in a day and time we cannot hold back. We've got to go. We've got to push and we've got to go forward in the name of the Lord. And He's with us. And another in John nine, and I'm not going to read it either. I'm going to just kind of tell you what it says. It was, uh, you know, the uh, is the blind blind man, and Jesus came and. 
you know, and he had, he said, man, you need to be healed. It's the Sabbath. And what did he do? He put a little spittoon there with some dirt and clay, stuck it in his ear, in his eyes. Put my stuck in his ears too, but stuck it in his eyes. And you know what? He told him to go wash. And he was healed. Oh, that caused another commotion. How many knows when you start doing something for the Lord and God starts touching you, it's going to cause some kind of commotion. It's going to cause commotion on, on your job. If you work in a place where, you know, you tell everybody you're healed, they go, oh, that, some of them's going to be glad for you, but some of them are just not going to believe it. And some of them want to criticize. That's okay. That's okay. They want it too. They just don't want to be, they don't want to be the man to step up and say, thank you, Jesus, for healing this man. And, and what you can do for him, you can do for me. And they went around and, you know, they, and the religious leaders, boy, they, they tore all kinds of things to him. They, hey, you, you, who did this? You can't heal on the seventh day. And I like it. It was in, uh, I think it was in verse uh, uh, 25. And they kept, then he went and got his parents. Now, who did this? And he was afraid of the religious leaders. He didn't want to say, his parents don't want to say anything. He said, hey, ask him. He's of age. Hey, he'll tell you. He, you know, like, hey, he's got a mouth. He'll tell you. That's basically what they were saying. And, uh, and he said, they went back to him, and he said, he, he told him, he said, I've told you. I think he told him three times in that passage. I, t- I told you what happened. I told you what happened. He, he just come by, and he just come by, and he healed me. And, and, and he said, I, he just he healed me. And, he, and they said, well, who, who really did this? I mean, it was the devil. And he said, you know what? I don't know. But he said, I know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. And that's you with me. I was lost, but now I'm found. You were lost, but now you're found. Hallelujah. I was blind, but now I see. I see clearly what the power and the glory and the anointing and the power of God can do in each and every of our lives every single day. You know, it's just walking. It's not, it's not doing anything real big. It's just being what God calls you to be. There ain't no little eyes or big U's in the kingdom of God. We're all the same. It's not how you start out, it's how, it's how you finish up in this life. So if you've had bad times, you've had times that knock you down, beat you down, and your start wasn't so good, I got good news for you. Hallelujah. Jesus is still the same. He's still, he's still calling you. It doesn't matter. He's still calling you. I've had, I've had people, uh, a few people that I actually led them to the Lord on their deathbed, and they, and one of them said, "Well, you know, I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't lived for God. I hadn't lived for God. I haven't lived for God my whole life." And I said, "So, now's the time. See, it's never too late. It's never too late. Your last breath." You could call out on the name of Jesus. And you know what? He'll hear you and he'll save you. The dirtiest and the lost people in this world. We better get ready, folks. We better get ready for some people that's coming into the church. They're not going to look like us. They're not going to smell like us. Uh, they're going to have tattoos and they're going to have piercings that come out of their head and here in the mouth, in their ears. And they're going to look like fish, a fish hook and everything else. They're going to have ye- yellow hair, green hair, pink hair, uh, uh, ponytail and ponytail coming out their head. But who, who, might, who, 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 who really cares? All we want to do is lead them to Jesus. Hallelujah. We're not hung up on 
all that stuff and, and who, who you are. I remember, I remember one day I was driving from the beach and I, I, I don't have a habit of pitching up, picking up hitchhikers, but I do when I feel the spirit of God when I, when I know that. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying you've got to discern for yourself. So I was coming along the beach. It was in the summer. And uh, coming down 332, just went over the levee there, coming back, and I saw a guy laying on the side of the road. And now, I mean, it's like August. And he's just laying there. I thought, uh-oh, that guy died. Nobody's stopping. So I went by real slow, and I looked, and he, was like, he had a white T-shirt on. He's just laying there on his back. And so I went, backed up, got out of the car, out of the truck, and I went up, and I, I said, I kneeled down, I said, hey. And he's sweating, oh man. I mean, it was hot. He was just, and I said, hey. And he kind of opened his eyes. I said, hey, you okay, buddy? Yeah, man, yeah. I said, uh, hey, come on, you're going you're gonna to die out here of heat exhaustion. So I get on, I get him up, and whoo, son, you know how been laying out in the sun, somebody hadn't taken a bath in two or three years. Son, it'll knock you over. And I got him, I got him up and got him, helped him to my truck, put him in my truck, slammed the door, went around on the other side, got in, cranked up, yeah, rolled down my windows, turned the air conditioner on real, real fast. Yeah, I was blowing the air, son. I was. And I got down the road a little bit. And I, I, I said, hey, yeah, oh, man, yeah. And I started talking, and I just started, where are you going? He, he didn't know where he's going. Uh, he just waves hand. And I thought, well, this is a good time. I started talking to him about Jesus. And I said, Jesus loves you. Right where you are, he cares about you. He loves you. He's got a good plan for your life. He wants you. He wants you. He's calling you. He loves you. You're special to him. I don't care who you are. He was somebody's little boy. Joe says that all the time. She said, she, we'll see somebody as derelict. And she said, that's somebody's little boy. And that's somebody's little girl. Some mom and dad's little boy, little girl. And that's the way we look at them. They're children. And boy, he come alive after that. He went, I don't want to hear that. I mean, he come alive. He did. I mean, it was like night and day. I don't want to hear that. And I just kept talking to him. Then I lifted my hand. And I started praying for him. Buddy, stop and let me out right now. And I said, I'm going to take you on up to Bucky's so I could pray for him a little longer. So I did that. Buddy, he wanted out, 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 out. When I got to Bucky's buddy, he got out. He, he woke up real fast, and he, he took off. You know what? I didn't see him get saved, but I planted a seed in his life. That's what we do. When you, when you think people don't listen to you, when you think people's not hearing you, when you think people is, and, and God's 500 miles away, and he doesn't hear you, Yes, he does. You plant that seed. Because you plant the seed. And Woody, you may come back the same person. And you put a little water 
on him. And T.R., he may come in a week or two, a month or two, a year or two. He's going to cultivate just a little bit. He's going to put some fertilizer out there. And somebody else is going to come along, and they're going to give it a little bit more water. But somebody's going to come along, and they're going to have the privilege to lead them to Jesus. It's all, we're all the body of Christ. That's what we do. It's what, it doesn't matter who leads them to Jesus. Somebody had to talk to them for, for that guy. You know, people that we lead to the Lord up here, somebody had to pray for them. Somebody had to bring them to church. Somebody had to love on them. Somebody had to speak into their life. Somebody ha- had to encourage them in the Lord. You know? So keep doing that. I'm saying, hey, don't weary in well-doing for in due season. You're going you're gonna to reap because you're not going to faint. You're not going to faint. And another passage which I like is, is I love the, the, the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15. You know, Pastor always tells us that, you know, he gives us what the Greek word is. He gives us what the Latin word is. He gives us what the Hebrew word means. Well, I got news tonight. This is what it says. Go into all the world. What does go mean? Go. That's good. Hey, boy, that's that's like a shot, isn't it? Go means go. It didn't say stop. Go is not a suggestion. Go you into all the world. It's a command. It is. It's a command. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be, as the Lord commands things that we should do, we should be obedient and we should do them. It's not hard. People say, well, it's hard to live. It's hard to do this. It's hard to do that. Just do it. Just do it. Don't think about it. You know, a lot of people think things through, and they get themselves in a real mess thinking. I see you punching on her back there. But we do. We overthink things. We think, 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 think. We're going to do this. And where we just got to say, you know, Lord, you got under control what you say. You know, to me, delayed, if the Lord speaks to you, and delayed obedience is disobedient. Think about it. Because it's like, oh, I'll think about doing that. When the Lord speaks to you, just go do it. Just go do it right then. Just go do it. If the Lord tells you to witness, all right, go, go tell them. But I, I wanted to give you that, but we're going to have testimonies. And I'm so excited. I called people today, and they were, they were so, oh, man, I, people that doesn't get up and talk all the time. These are, these are people that's, that's just quiet, but they got a powerful spirit in them. That we need to hear from. I, I remember in uh, in nineteen, it was in the seventies. I was in the retail business, and um, I needed to make more money. I looked like a million dollars, but I couldn't pay attention. And uh, I needed a better job, and uh, with more money, so. I went to, uh, 
I called a, a friend of mine up who owned a company and he said I, yeah I got a spot for you and I was all man I, it's going to be out the plant well I never worked out the plant you know I was all, all my jobs have been outside the plant doing uh, uh, things outside and so I went to the plant and he said I'll tell you what Bobby you go Monday you be at plant B and uh, contractors gate you be there this time and I'm going to have a man meet you there and uh, he's going to be your boss and he's going to check you in and and, uh, and you, you do what he says to you. you go with him and he got a good plan I said okay so I went early that morning I got to the gate I was looking around all I knew that his name was Woody. It's a pleasure for me to tell this, Woody. Let me tell you something, my brother. So I'm waiting around. Here comes this long hair individual. Am <laughs> I not telling this? I'm telling it right. He came in. He had these goggles on hat down I couldn't see what he looked like drove up in a red pickup I think he came up wasn't much for talking he just came up you Bobby yeah come on over here so I went over there and he showed me how to that's your time card right here here's the way you clock in that's the way you punch in and, and uh, okay he didn't give me hardly any instructions he said come with me so so I follow him out I get in the truck <clears throat> I'm looking, I think, whoo, man, he's not very friendly, you know, it, 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 not very friendly. It, 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 he really didn't want to talk to me. I really, I don't think he want to talk to much of anybody. Is that right? And uh, so I'm just riding along, and I remember we're going through the plant, and, we, and there's a railroad track. And I'm at the railroad track, and we go over the railroad track, and this is what, he hadn't talked to me. Visit, we just going around. He hadn't talked to me. He hadn't said nothing to me except what I told you. And he just driving. He goes, I want you to know something. And I said, yeah, okay. That's all he said. And he said, I pray and I read my Bible. I said, okay, that's good. Everybody needs to do that. So he didn't say nothing else. So we got to the little office there, and uh, <laughs> there was another guy that was a Christian there, but he was one of those that was ragged on him all the time. I, I mean, he was one of those, the religious guy that, you know, he would, and I don't want to be that, that person because uh, I'm fishing. I'm fishing. That's what I did. I was fishing for Woody. God was fishing for Woody. So we sat and we'd go through our day and, you know, we'd eat lunch. All of us eat lunch in there and, you know, we'd, hey, I'm going to pray. Would he just, he'd eat his lunch. He's looking at us. We're praying. He never bowed his head. He unconcerned, you know, like, he never did that. And you wouldn't talk to him. You know, he wouldn't talk to you about but you know, we, I worked out there a long time, but you know what I saw? 
I saw Woody saved. See, I already saw him saved. I saw, and I think I came home, and I, I tell Joe, I, I'm working with a guy named Woody. I said, he needs Jesus. And we're going to keep praying, and we're going to keep believing, and we're going we're gonna to keep doing the things that we know to do. And, and, and when he asked me something, I'm going to feed him just a little nugget. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed him. And I, I say this, I don't know if it was him or not, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Then I'm going to let Woody come up and testify. But, but we had this outhouse out there, concrete walls. And, and I don't know if that was Woody or not. I don't even know if he remembers anything like that. Anyway, I rode on the top. It, it was a block wall painted, you know, in the men's bathroom outside. And I went, Jesus loves you. Next day. How do you know that? <laughs> he died for your sins upon the cross of Calvary. How do you know that's true? <laughs> we started going there. Then, How do you know that the Bible's true? Inspired word of God. We went down and kept going. And we kept down. And it got down pretty low. I felt like at that time I, I thought it was Woody because there wasn't just one bathroom just real close to us. But I didn't know. But this is the thing. I just kept being friends with Woody. I kept loving on him. I didn't beat him down. I didn't beat him over uh, uh, going, yeah, you need, you need, your, your lifestyle is this, blah, blah, blah. I never did that. I just loved on him. I just loved on him. And I just showed him. You know, sometimes we can preach and don't use words. Our lives will tell the story. But this was a clincher. This is a few months or maybe even a year. I don't know. It was, it was quite a while. And I'd tell him about, I'd invite him to our church. And he never said he'd come. And that's when we was in the little building here. And... Um, one day we were driving along Levy Road before they closed it down, you know, Levy Road. And he was driving, not talking. You know, we just, he said, he turned to me, he said, you think I'm going to hell? I knew that was the question. I knew it. And I said this, I don't know your heart. I can't judge you. Only you. I do know everyone needs to have a personal relationship with Jesus and he wants to be your Lord and Savior. He loves you. He's got a plan for everybody's life. But I can't judge you because I've got too many fingers pointing at me anyway. You know, I'm not a perfect person. That right there, I knew that that, that hooked him. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, nothing big. I didn't preach him a sermon. I wouldn't tell him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, you know, go through the Bible. I didn't tell him all that. I just told him that he needed to be born again. That's all. And I invited him to, uh, we had a revival. And he came.
He got gloriously saved. His life changed. You know why I know he's saved? He started telling people about Jesus. He told Harold Hoseclaw about Jesus. His friends, he came and got saved. You told his brother, he came and got saved. You told his mom and dad, Ma and Paul Claw, they came and got saved. There was other people that you told that, that came and gave their heart to the Lord. Would he? What it is now? You're a spiritual dad, but you're also a spiritual grandfather, and you're a great-great-grandfather and a great-great-great-grandfather because when you lead somebody to Jesus, you become, their you become their mentor, their father. Then you become, when they tell somebody, you become the grandfather because it goes on and on because it started with you. You think about that. And I had the privilege, Woody, of Harold Hoseclaw that you led to the Lord. Me and Joe had the great privilege. She sent us a letter she was on the mission field for a while. Her daughter. Their daughter. And so we got to, for the long, on the mission field, we got to help her a little bit. You see, Woody, come on here. I want you to, I want you to say something about Jesus. I've got a few other people that wants to say something too. So anyway, just give you a good testimony, my brother. Come up here. I think they want you up here where... Everybody can see you. See you out in TV land. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, it's been a wonderful experience. I haven't walked with the Lord all these years. I walked away. It's easy to do because we're under attack all the time. Tell you a little story this morning. Lynette and I have been doing communion in the mornings, just us two. And after yesterday, I went out to lunch with a pastor. We had a talk, and he said Bobby was going to be preaching tonight. And I said, okay. Well, this morning after communion, I just felt led, and I prayed specifically for Bobby and I and I said I want you father thank you father thank you for Jesus I want Bobby to be led by the spirit tonight and then he had a change of heart and he said he wanted people to give testimonies and I did I, I looked in the the Webster definition of testimony is a solemn declaration usually made orally by a witness under oath. First-hand authentication of a fact, evidence, and an outward sign. And that's what a testimony is. You, each one of you people, is a you God made you unique there's never been anybody in the history of the world before 
never anybody after this you you Rudy or you Cecile you Judy nobody has ever been made like you and God made you specifically for a purpose and he you've got a world and we look at these day, this day and age and, and, and we could look at all the bad things there is. But we need to consider it a privilege that God has placed us right here since the creation of the world to this point. If this is the last days, you need to consider it a great privilege that God has given you. God made you. God draws you to Jesus who he gave to us as a sacrifice who shed his blood, who bore the stripes so that we'll have a path to salvation in our testimony. The word testimony in Hebrew <laughs> is a deuce, which means do it again with the same power and authority. Every time we speak out or read a testimony, we're saying, Lord, do it again with the same power and authority. A testimony is a spirit of prophecy. It is a personal revelation from God. You are a testimony. Jesus is a testimony revealing the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A testimony comes through the Holy Ghost. It makes a deep and lasting impression on the soul. Individual testimonies are the foundation and strength of the church. Every time we speak, I spoke you don't have to have a, you know, all through the book of Acts, there were miracles and things that happened that led to the revival of wherever Paul or Barnabas or any of them went preaching. But every, it doesn't have to be a great mer magnanimous miracle, just the fact that God drew you to Jesus to receive the salvation that he has given to us and you sharing what Jesus has. I told a guy today, I was fishing with him. He got talking about the world and this, that, and the other. I said, all I know, D, is that my heart has changed. And he said, well, that's good. Planting a seed, planting a seed. We, we, we just, I've been healed. It, it's a, it's a, such a miracle what God has done because I, when I was in the church, I was youth leader and did all everything, and I walked away. I'm not proud of that. But when my, fam, when my mother and daddy wrote, I grew up in a Baptist church and I learned about Jesus and I knew about Jesus and he never lets you go no matter 
no matter where you, if you get on that wide path, there's two paths. There's a wide path, there's a narrow path. It's easy to get on that wide path and turn your back on God, but he, he loves you and he's with you all the time. And somewhere along that wide path, there was a little exit over here where I went back and I jumped on that narrow path. <laughs> I didn't have to back up. I didn't have to go back through all that garbage. I went straight through the power of the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. and the drawing of God, came to Jesus, and, I, and he restored my marriage, Lynette and I marriage, after 27 years and it's better than it's ever ever was I mean if you if that's not a miracle you're a miracle every one of us is a miracle of God we're a testimony of God's sovereign power and his sovereign plan and uh, the song that uh, Anna Joe was singing about opening your heart what well, Paul was preaching to a bunch of women and there was a lady named Lydia from the city of Thyatira <laughs> a seller of purple goods she was wealthy and she was a worshiper of God and like the song said the Bible says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And that is a testimony of the grace and the power of God. And I'm so thankful for Bobby and, and everyone here, but most of all, I'm thankful for the sovereign power of God and Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I was telling Bobby, I really don't know what to say. I used to tell Annette all the time, I don't feel like I have much of a testimony because I kind of just grew up in church. and Not that I was perfect, but I didn't slay off. So I feel like tonight, I, and that in itself is a testimony. God's always been with me and everything. But um, I do have a, a healing testimony that I feel... Like, after Bobby called me, I felt like I needed to share that. Um, I, I don't know. It's probably been five or six years ago. I had a growth on, come up on my eyelid. Well, I was born with a skin tag on my eyelid. So I'd had it my entire life. And one day, it changed. And it grew up to be just a little bit bigger than an English pea, and I... I actually couldn't open my eye because it was so big I couldn't get my eyelid to swell. So the ophthalmologist told me, um, you know, that it was cancerous and they were going to have to cut a V out of my eyelid and make it a half inch up my eyelid, you know. Pretty terrifying. So I had already done all the pre-registration at the hospital and everything. And, of course, I'd been praying all along. I mean, that goes without saying so I was scheduled for surgery on a Monday morning, and I was in the shower getting ready for church on Sunday, and I was drying off, and I realized that growth was gone. 
it had came off while I was taking a shower. I, I couldn't retrieve it because it just went down the drain. So um, I, I didn't, well, I knew what to do, give God the glory. But um, Monday, I thought, well, what do I do? I've already gone register, So I just went to the hospital and told the doctor, you know, I was able to share with all of them that I'd had a miracle. And they go, well, I guess you don't need surgery. I said, no, I guess God's already done my surgery. So that's one. And I do have something else I'd like to share if, if I could have time. When Billy, uh, Billy, you're Bobby. Billy's my son. Um, when Bobby shared his story uh, the other night about when Joe was gone in the room, it brought up something to happen to me, and I'm sorry if I get emotional, but it's probably been, again, five or six years ago. James had to be in the nursing home. I don't know if a lot of y'all knew that. And not to sound gloom and gloom, just painting the picture here, but, and my mom was sick. Um, I was working, I came home one day and the ceiling had come in in the middle of my house so my house was in disarray and the next day I came home after the contract I could only go in one room, my bedroom Okay, so being the coward that he is um, the devil snuck in there I guess so I laid down that night I wasn't very excited about being by myself and it had been going on for a month or two and the same thing happened to me that happened to Bobby. My bed began to shake all over. I mean, I know we shouldn't watch films or get in film, but I relate it to the old 70s film, The Exorcist, what they would show you on the commercial, how it was that. I mean, at first I thought I was dreaming. Then I realized I wasn't. It was moving, and all I could finally get out is stop. And then yelled, Jesus, and I just screamed, in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. And the bed just calmed. And I've never shared that with anybody until Sunday I shared it with Bobby. And then when we went to lunch, I shared it with the pastor. I never even shared it with James. He heard it for the first time Sunday, too, because I, I was afraid he might worry about me being by myself and that. And he reminded me that I had come and spent a couple of nights in his chair in the nursing home, and I, I felt like that was probably then. But I say that to say, you know, all we have to do is call out to him, and he's always there, even if it's a whisper. I didn't whisper. I just want y'all to know I didn't whisper. I screamed pretty much. And I, I'm pretty good about talking with my hands. And, you know, I showed him where I wanted to go. So anyway, thank y'all for listening to me. I'm not good at speaking and I did have a pastor tell me one time I, I don't think we should ever give you a mic because he's afraid I wouldn't stop so I'm going to leave it at that so <laughs> unless Lynette can remind me of something to say I mean that is a blessing in itself Lynette and I've been through so much together and I just I don't know if she's told I used to tell her all the time the whole 27 years you know don't Woody's coming back, you know. You're supposed to be with Woody from the very beginning. I, she probably thought, well, you're just not giving me much sympathy. Well, I kind of did. I'm like, you're going to be with Woody. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. And she says uh, sometimes that Woody and I are a little bit alike, and I find that an honor, <laughs> what we think. But I, I knew all the time, you know, that was going to happen, and I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I just wanted to publicly say that. So. Hello, everyone. My testimony is about my daughter. Um, 
we went to the doctor, it was Dr. Parker. And um, we went there and he was giving her like shots. Okay. <laughs> okay, he was giving her shots and I noticed cause we've been going there for two years. She started gaining weight. So I'm a mother, so I'm concerned. So I asked the doctor, what is going on? And so he told me that she was barren. And I was like, could you please explain to me what are you saying? He said that she would never have children. And I told him when he said that, I said, but God told me something different. And he didn't like that. So he told me and my daughter to leave, okay? And he was fussing at me, telling me where he graduated from, but we was leaving out and I'm still saying what God said. The thing is what I'm trying to tell you, you can't believe everything what man tell you. God has the last say so. My daughter have seven children. Just a little history. Dwight and I have known each other for years, years, over 20 years. A um, couple more months, we'll have been married four years. Uh, we were friends for a long time uh, when I was a teenager, and he was in his early 20s. And uh, We, we always had a, a click, and uh, we were always there for each other through good times and hard times, uh, and we ran into each other through some family friends, and um, here we are married, and, uh, you know, so God has a purpose for every one of us, and we never know what it's going to be. You know, 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, I'm not that old. <laughs> I would have never thought that I would be standing up here married to this man. <laughs> so, you know, God's put him in my life, and he's been a blessing. And um, he's helping me raise two beautiful little girls. And um, the enemy is always out. Like what he said. In this day and time, they are after the young ones in our generation, and uh, they're attacking our family. And I told Dwight this morning, I said, uh, would you lead us in prayer and let's pray for our girls? And uh, so he led us in prayer, and no sooner had... As I was in the prayer, she was sitting on the chair beside me. I was literally saying amen. I had my phone on the chair beside me and it was vibrating. And guess who it was? Bobby. <laughs> I mean, it, it couldn't have happened at a better time. And, and Bobby, we, we prayed with Bobby on the phone for a pretty good while. God puts people in your lives when you need them. Amen. And thank you, uh, thank you Bobby. And apparently, we don't we don't pray enough. After talking to Bobby, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, 
uh, Bobby prays for, uh, should I buy sugar-free gum or regular gum? <laughs> oh, for those of y'all, some of y'all probably have heard this. It's been uh, right out a year ago. I went to the doctor for a regular checkup. And uh, can I say this on the... They, they thought I might have had prostate cancer. And uh, I'm trying to remember how it went down, but the, I went back and did some more blood work, and after they put me on some antibiotics, and it, it just went down a little bit, my PSA, PSA levels. And uh, they wanted me to get an MRI done and possibly a, a biopsy. So I went to uh, Paraland and had the, uh, the MRI done. And this was after getting prayer from Bobby and Pastor and, you know, other people praying over me. And the, uh, I think that was on a Friday, and Cheryl was calling me next the next week at work. I think it was on Tuesday saying that, that they didn't find anything. God is good. God is good. That's right. I was born in West Virginia and moved here to Texas when I was 12. I had a great-grandmother that from the time that I was able to even talk that made sure that I knew who God was. She read the Bible to us every day. She taught me to kneel down at nighttime before I went to bed to say my prayers. And then as you grow up, you think because, you know, you believe in God, you know that Jesus died for your sins, that you're good. But you're not good because God is wanting that relationship with you, that personal relationship. And it took me a long time to understand that, you know. And now I look at all the things that he has actually done for me because I, he's the most important thing in my life more important than any family member, than anything in this whole wide world. You gotta make him first and then everything else falls into place. My husband actually was not raised in a church <clears throat> and as far as I know, had never even went inside of a church. And so when I started coming here, I got up and gave my testimony and talked that, you know, I was somebody that smoked pot and I thought that, well, God put the pot here, you know, it grew here, so it was okay for me to do that. Wrong, because he wants you to have a clear mind. Because if you don't have a clear mind, then the devil can get in there, and he will distract you and make you think that everything is all right, and when it's not. And so I come, and I gave my testimony and was talking that how I'd like my husband to end up here with me to sit beside me in church. And so the pastor and Bobby actually said that they had this handkerchief and that they would actually pray over this handkerchief and I was to take it home and put it in Curtis's uh, pillowcase and see what happened when I did that. And then all of a sudden I noticed he stopped cussing 
He's, I mean, he stopped doing some of the things that, you know, was a day-to-day thing for him. And he had no idea. And so I'm sit, he's sitting at the kitchen table and all of a sudden looks at me because I sat out in the living room reading my Bible. I'd watch Jimmy Swagger on the TV. And he said, you know what? I'm going to start going to church with you. And I was, you are? And that man sits with me every Sunday in, in back there well a few it's been probably a week or so no two weeks ago we were sitting out in the backyard my husband prays underneath this tree and so we were sitting out there and he looked at me and he said Judy what how many beers do you think it would be okay for for that God would think it would be okay for me to drink and I said Curtis you're not gonna like my answer so the best thing you can do is to ask God, pray to him. He'll come to you either in a dream or he'll talk to you and he will let you know. So a couple days later, we come to church and the pastor gets up here and he said, and by the way, that question that somebody wanted to know about how much alcohol you could actually drink, the answer is zero And so I leaned over to Curtis and said, you just got your answer. And since that day, I am telling you, that man would normally come home, and I'm not kidding, would drink a six-pack of beer. Now he comes home with two. And I honestly believe that God is healing him. He's healing him of that. And it all started by a handkerchief being put in his pillowcase and and not only that by praying for your family members and don't stop because he does work and he is listening I mean he was listening to Curtis in the backyard and then worked through the pastor I mean it's just and not only that God is such an awesome God I mean if you think about all that he has actually done for us each and every day watches over us guides us leads us to where we need to be and we just want to be more and more like him each and every day and I just want to say thank you God for all you do and continue to heal me make me into the person that you want me to be Father God because I only want to do things that please you Mm. hey the handkerchief stuff is real it's real and I know I'm talking to other people too it's real Acts 19 and what we do here is we get a handkerchief we get some of this oil and we call on the elders or whoever is up here to pray anoint it and pray over the handkerchief my wife, I lost, she passed away last year. It's almost been a year now, by the way. And I got a handkerchief. And I put it underneath her bed. And I didn't think about it, but I knew it was there. She said, I lost my handkerchief. Would you get another one? We went through three, and I don't know where they went. But after she passed, I found every one of them. She is in heaven now 
and I fully believe this, because of the anointing. She's in heaven now because the anointing breaks the bonds. It breaks, it sets the captives free, and she was captive. If you have a lost one, come get a handkerchief. And I'm going to tell you, God is no respecter of persons. What he did for me, what he did for Judy, he will do for you. If you've got a lost one, a lost husband, or a lost wife, get a handkerchief. Let us pray over it. Let us anoint it with oil, and you watch what God will do. Our God comes through. He comes through every time. It's all about faith. What faith do we have? I don't have any faith. Well, guess what? We're two or more gathered together. All right. There's power in number, Bobby. It's called synergy. It's the way God works. If you need it tonight, come up here. Let us pray over it. And I believe, I believe some of us here need it. So I just want to let you all know real quickly. In Acts 19, it said that... Uh, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So uh, there's nothing magical about a handkerchief. It's prayer. It's a point of contact. We believe God just like he did in the Bible that when we pray over these things and you take them that God and the, and the spirit of God works through that point of contact to uh, soften hearts to heal bodies and uh, and so uh, we just want to let you know that this is not um, something out of line it's not something unscriptural it's in the Bible we just try to follow what the Bible says and I it, it's really faith it's just believing God that God's going to do something uh, supernatural because he's a supernatural God through uh, means that are sometimes uh, unnatural to us but perfectly natural to God. Amen? And so we just, I just want to uh, share that. And yes, we have seen great answers to prayer through people that said, I want to believe God to do that for me as well. Amen? All right, Bobby, you want to end it? Yeah. All right. Great testimonies. Appreciate you guys coming tonight. Thank you, thank you. Dwight came up to me and said, I forgot something real important. He said, I went back three, three weeks ago, and I'm perfectly fine. So, uh, God does answer prayer. And I do believe that we're going to see more and more answers to prayer. And uh, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. Uh, you may have lost loved ones. I believe in prayer. You may have a sickness in your body, a disease in your body. You may be ill. You may be hurt. Um, God answers prayer. Uh, I believe that if we can come to him and believe and pray in faith that we will see more and more people saved, healed, delivered, set free. God is bigger than anything in this world, and uh, through prayer, all things are possible to those who believe. So we